it's time to relax, and you know what that means. It's time for the podcast that, in the words of the great Tim Meadows, you don't want none of this. Uh, I This is the original Jankster's podcast. I am Kevin Jank. I'm Peter Jank. Yeah, we're back again. We are back, and this week we have a little uh, kind of break away from the the sequential movies that we've been doing the first of course being Rambo then the second series was the uh, <laughs> Rocky or Rocky sorry <laughs> wrong Sylvester Stallone franchise uh, the second, I know they both start with R but that's true uh, but the second series being of course uh, Paranormal Activity and in between those well first we started with I guess Friday the Thirteenth oh yeah that's right we oh, did that do was, Friday that was the number 13th. one damn yeah. <laughs> we're already up to our fourth installment of this. Or we will be very soon. Yep. That's crazy. I didn't even think we were that far along, but you were correct. Yeah. Man, life goes <laughs> fast. It really does. It's crazy that we've covered all those movies already. <laughs> the Friday the 13th alone was like almost a year, it felt like. <laughs> it did feel <laughs> like it was probably just a couple year. of weeks. <laughs> it was just a long, long... It was just a long trudge. <laughs> it was the long night. It was the long night, but... Um, as we did in between, uh, the Rocky movies and paranormal activity, we kind of took a break in between and did uh, a couple movies that did not have sequels. And basically, uh, it was also movies that followed the following criteria. Like I said, no sequels. Also each one, each person, each one of us would choose a movie that the other one had not seen. Uh, (laughs) I chose the, what the hell? Oh, Moana. That's right. (laughs) Uh, knowing that you've never seen a cartoon in your life. Uh, I've decided to choose Moana, and you chose a bad movie. Oh, yeah, Wish Upon. Yeah, yeah. that's what I said. We talked about Wish Upon, which, yeah, you're not wrong. I know. Um, but yeah, so All of this is factual. That was factual bullshit. Um, <laughs> so we watched those movies, and we decided to take another kind of like break in between this uh, Paranormal Activity and the Alien series coming up, and... My first movie, I got to choose since Kevin chose last time first. I went with uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Mm-hmm. Um, now, before we get into your thoughts, where were your expectations? Because I know you've never seen this movie, and I don't think you've ever had interest in seeing this movie. So where were your <laughs> uh, expectations for this movie? And a scale uh, of 1 to 10. I, I said, mean, it's I hard to say. Um, obviously, when this movie came out, I really didn't have any interest in it. Um, I think mostly because to me it seemed to be more of a parody of like that Johnny Cash movie, Walk the Line. Yeah. Um, and so basically I was like, well, I never saw that movie, so I don't really care to see a movie that's a you know a satire of that. Sure. <laughs> and especially if it's going to be country related, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, true. So I think back then my expectations would have been very, very low. Um but I've kind of gotten the impression since then that it was more than that. And you certainly seem to like this movie quite a bit. So that definitely brought it up. I would say my expectations were, you know, I thought it would be at least kind of funny. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, to me, yeah. I'll tell you right now, and this is just my personal opinion, and you can say whether you want afterwards. I think that this movie is terribly underrated. I really do. You do not hear anybody talking about this movie and... It saddens me because I feel like this this movie is just so damn funny to me. Every time I watch it, and I've seen it many a times, and I laugh every time because there's just so many damn funny parts. But 
Um, that's just my opinion. Now, overall, where do you kind of... I would agree that, yeah, this movie, you don't really hear a lot about it, which is surprising since we kind of talked about it a little bit before that we did the show here, that everybody who's anybody in comedy was pretty much in this movie. (laughs) So you think for that alone, it would get a little bit more, uh, more mentions out in the world. It's very bizarre because it's, uh, it was, it came out in 2007. So this is before like a lot of the big wigs. This is just after, or shortly after actually, uh, Anchorman. Um, I think it was almost a spoof on that because it was Ron Burgundy or the legend of Ron Burgundy, (laughs) where this is Dewey Cox, the do or, uh, walk hard, the Dewey Cox story or Anchorman, sorry, the legend of uh, Ron Burgundy. So, I felt like the titles were similar, and I was like, all right, this is kind of maybe something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, of course, this is right after Anchorman. Still, not a lot of actors that we all know now, a lot of comedians that we know now that are much bigger. It seemed like a lot of them started almost here. I mean, we have actors <laughs> that play any mini parts in this movie, like Kristen Wiig. What? Uh, we, yeah. Oh, man. Let me pull up. This some... would have been right when she was maybe starting SNL, if that. It might have even been slightly before. That's very true. Let me see. Walk hard, IMDb. It's certainly, yeah, if anything, was very early on in her, uh, <laughs> before she got famous, for sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, she blew up, of course, uh, being a very popular actress nowadays. Um, yeah, I feel like Bridesmaids was her big, you know, other than SNL, her big break, and that was like 2010, I want to say, so this was a good couple yeah, years before that. That was 2010. Um <laughs> so, of course, we have, like, uh, we have John C. Riley. of course. He's playing Dewey Cox. But we also have some big names. Like, we have uh, Tim Meadows, like you've already said. We have uh, Kristen Wiig. We got Craig Robinson that's in there. Yeah. Uh, Harold Ramis is in here. Martin Starr is in here. Uh, <laughs> Jack McBrayer is in here, even though he plays the <laughs> yes. smallest part in here. He's in here. <laughs> And that's what it's it is. Great. This movie just has a bunch of like small, tiny little parts of people. Of course, we have Jenna Fisher's in here, which is crazy. Of course, she's most well known for uh, The Office, and mm-hmm. to see her in like this almost like leading role is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. There's just so many people in this movie that like even rewatching it now, I was like, holy shit, I forgot he was even in here. Yeah, they just pop in for like one scene a lot of the times and then they're gone. But you're just like, damn, I guess that's a good way to get a lot of famous people is you just don't have them have to do a lot. That's true. <laughs> just show up and work for like an hour or two and you're done. I mean, we had Jack Black, Paul Rudd. Uh, no, I mean, what's his name? Justin Long, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin Long was in there. Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, Jason Schwartzman was in here. So it's just I wasn't crazy. sure if that was him or Jason Biggs at first. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, I, I knew I was Jason like, Schwartzman one of right away. You know, I just know him very well from Slackers. I really love that movie, Slackers. Oh, yeah. God, I love that movie. True. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people in this movie. Uh, so on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, where does this fall on you for, like, greatness? Uh, well, let's see. This fucking movie was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! You almost got me. Yeah, I, I highly enjoyed this movie. Um, I was very, very uh, tickled all the way throughout. <laughs> um, I would say it's at least at an eight. Um, I could probably see that it sliding up to maybe eight point five after a couple, you know, watching it again. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely. I would say it's it's really damn funny. Um, I wouldn't put it as like one of the all time classics like Anchorman and 40 year old virgin, agreed. but it's not too far below those for sure. So also agreed. 
Um, it's yeah. definitely got a lot of laughs and a good like laugh per minute ratio, I would say, <laughs> where you're not going long stretches of time with, you know, just terrible things happening. And you're just bored. It's very true. Very true. Um, yeah, I can't really disagree with that at all. It's just to me, I think, yeah, I would say a, a probably, yeah, 8.5, I would say there. I don't know if it's quite a nine, but it's definitely up there because it seems like I think maybe towards the end where it starts to even Dewey Cox even says it where this is a very, this is a darker period of my life Um, uh, where it gets to that. I feel like it kind of drags, but it's like it almost has to just to kind of get this different perspective. Um, But I I would say it's not as funny, but there are still some very funny parts. So it's like, (laughs) I don't know where it falls for me on that, but. Yeah, I quite yeah, like near the end, I thought it was getting a little bit long where it's just I think it's only like an hour and a half long. So it's not like it's that long, but it just kind of felt like it dragged a little bit because I guess he was kind of doing the same thing again. Where it's just like, oh, he went to rehab already and now he's he's back on the drugs and losing everyone again. And she's like, all right. Yeah, we saw this before. It's true. <laughs> but it was all funny and worked out in a in a cool way. So, yeah, I can't even be mad at it. No, <laughs> just wasn't my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Oh, man, it's good stuff, though, regardless, regardless of what mm-hmm. you think. Um, <laughs> Whatever you think is stupid, even though you're agreeing with me. I <laughs> didn't say that. <laughs> um, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I don't know how these things go together. I'll find out later. All right. So um, I guess let's kind of talk about some of the, uh, the, the movies. So basically, the movie starts yeah. off with uh, it's. When he's old, it's basically, I wouldn't say modern times, probably early 2000s, kind of like Johnny Cash style, uh, very yeah. early 2000s. About, I can't, I don't remember if they even set a date or anything, but he's basically playing his last show and uh, they're looking for him. They can't find him uh, to get him on the stage. And Tim Meadows shows up and says, no, before every show, Dewey Cox <laughs> has to think about his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we already know we're in for a treat. Um, yep. <laughs> so this movie just kind of takes every like cliche you could think of from any of these musical, you know, biopics and just totally lampoons them all and brings them all in a funny way. Uh, for the most part that, that all really worked. Um, some of those I think got a little bit, a little bit too much on the head. I didn't think they were that great. Like when you, like you mentioned before, when he's just like, this is a very dark period of my life. Like, I'm like, all right, I don't know that I needed that, <laughs> but it was fine. I still like that part. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it starts off when he is a very young boy, and it's him and his brother. Um, his brother's playing the piano like crazy, and his, which is quite hilarious because when he's playing the piano, it's like a headshot of him playing, but then when it showed his hands, you, it's clearly a man's hands. <laughs> so, so you know that it's just so damn funny. Um, but yeah, so he's playing the piano beautifully. It's just amazing. His father's super proud of him, and... Uh, mm-hmm. Dewey says, hey, we should go outside and play for a little bit. And he says, no, I have to practice. Um, and oh, I can't remember what his dad says. Like, the problem with this movie is <laughs> it's like there's so many good quotes, and I feel like I want to yeah. say them all. But I shouldn't. I shouldn't try to sit here and think about them all because I want to try to <laughs> get the podcast going. We'll just be reading the script for an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. So, but, yeah, basically they go outside and play. Um, and, uh, <laughs> everything they do is like very dangerous and super dangerous, <laughs> risking death. <laughs> so you kind of can tell where they're going with this. Yeah. You're just kind of figuring which of these ways is this boy going to die? <laughs> yep. Uh, so, uh, 
they they end up in the barn, and his brother says, I think his brother's Nate, right? I think it's Nate. Yeah, I think so. Is it Nate? Because then That's I think his one, the one guitarist, I think, in his band is also Nate. Oh. I don't know now. Oh. Well, either way, his brother yeah. and him are both playing in... Uh, I'm trying to find <laughs> in it. the barn. It is Nate. Uh, and they find. Oh, nice. Um, they just like that name, apparently. <laughs> yeah, now I'm trying to figure out if the other guy's name is Nate. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, they're both playing in the barn and they decide to do like a machete fight. And of course, the machetes are sheathed, <laughs> so, you know, no harm can be done. So yeah. um, they're kind of like playing like lightsabers and whatnot. And unfortunately, Dewey Cox, when he kind of cocks his, no pun intended, uh, cocks his uh, machete back, the sheath kind of flies off of the machete itself and he swings it right into Nate's torso, <laughs> cutting him in half completely yep. and perfectly in half. Um, <laughs> So his top half falls to the ground. His bottom half is just still standing there. <laughs> and uh, basically, that's how this movie begins. Um, as soon as this <laughs> happens, uh, Nate says you need to be uh, double the both of us or something like that, or great for the both of us or something like that. Um, and, but unfortunately, Nate dies. And because of his death... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dewey the loses. doctor's having a hard time explaining this to the parents. <laughs> In the funniest of ways. <laughs> For some reason, they can't understand that this would actually kill someone. <laughs> they couldn't put him back together, even though he was completely severed in two. <laughs> uh, but because of the tragedy, uh, Dewey has lost his sense of smell. He's been sp- <laughs> smell blind. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's an interesting twist. It's a very interesting <laughs> twist. So I know in the walking or the walk the line movie, I think he loses a sense of something. I don't remember what it is, and I think that's what the <laughs> twist is here. But it, I don't understand. It's just <laughs> such a strange thing to add to this. But it it comes back later in a few different jokes. So that's always good. <laughs> yeah. Um. But now that's true. We kind of fast forward to his high school years, where John C. Wait, Riley, first oh, we do get the first we do get the first uh, reading of one of the best lines of the movie in oh, this time period. Very true. <laughs> where his uh, his dad is very upset with him <laughs> for killing his brother, as you would expect. Yeah. And uh, he says, "The wrong kid died." <laughs> now he says this. It'll come yep. back as well, just like the sense of smell being gone, uh, but more. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it becomes his catchphrase throughout the rest of the movie, <laughs> basically. Oh, kid died. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, basically, we go into his high school years, and... Uh, oh, this was great, because they got, like, a bunch of actual kids playing the high school kids, but, except for they got John C. Riley playing Kristen his Wick. high school self, which... Uh, they do that a lot in music biopics, or just biopics in general, and it's always distracting. Yep. Uh, but yep, John C. Riley, in fact, is playing himself as a 14-year-old boy. Um, it is quite. Kristen Wiig is playing a 12-year-old. <laughs> yeah. I love all of this. So, uh, anyways, um, oh man, I, I just keep thinking about all the funny like lines when they're saying, "It's like I think I'm doing pretty good as a 15-year-old kid." <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so basically, uh, they are at a talent show. John C. Riley's got his band, or Dewey's got his band, basically, and they're about to do mm-hmm. his talent show. Uh, just before they go up, they watch this like really young girl do this weird tap dance, and he's like looking back at the fellas, like, "How are we gonna? How could we follow that?" 
<laughs> it's just like this really weird performance of a girl just tap dancing, and he's just nervous, so you know it's funny stuff. So he gets mm-hmm. up there and he starts uh, he starts singing about uh, "Take My Hand," I believe is the name of the song, yeah. which is just a simple song about holding someone's hand. Um, but the, the the music is so upbeat that all the teenagers and all the kids in the audience just get up and start dancing. All the adults think this is the devil's music, where all the adults are basically <laughs> just punching each other and throwing up in each other's hands. It's just madness. It's just straight craziness. <laughs> all the girls are just like taking their tops off and shit. <laughs> Uh, he points at uh, Kristen Wiig, who's also in the audience. She's playing, like we already said, a 12-year-old girl in this movie, or in this portion of the movie. Um, and basically, um, you know, that, this is how they first meet and whatnot. Yeah. Um, shortly after he plays the song, they all go back to Dewey's house where uh, the priest is there and his father and his mother are all just really upset with the situation. His mom seems more or less nonchalant about it, but the father and the priest are just really against this devil music because the devil, you know who's got hands, you know who else has got hands? The devil. And they're meant for holding. Um, <laughs> so, oh, it's so good. So uh, Dewey's like, you know, I'm not going to put up with this. The, I'm too big for this, uh, this town. I'm going to leave. So he's like, hey, you know, uh, Kristen Wiig, I can't remember her name, Edith. Um, it's like, oh, Edith wants to come with, and uh, he's like, yeah, of course you can come with. You're my girlfriend, and she says, <laughs> really, I'm your girlfriend. He's like, yeah, pointing at you in the on the stage. Did you see me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dewey Cox's twelve year old girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so much, so much greatness. Uh, so it really af- is. After they leave, I don't even know where they end up going, but they take off. This is about a year <laughs> later. They've already got a kid. Um, yeah. Uh, but basically what ended up happening was Dewey is working as basically a janitor or some kind of busboy in a bar, <laughs> a black <laughs> uh, a black club, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only white guy in there. Um, and then Edith is at home with the he kid. He likes to mime along to the band and kind of... <laughs> Pretend he's the lead singer and stuff like that, which comes into play later on. Sure. Craig Robinson is leading the band. Uh, we should say that, I guess. He's he's yeah. pretty great in this movie. He's pretty for great. For as little as he's in there. Um, but yeah, so uh, he goes back home and Edith, her like, one-liner is like, you're never going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's always just pretty much bashing Dewey and saying, you're not going to make it. You're never going to amount to anything. You just need to forget your dreams. And Dewey says, no, this is – which is funny because uh, Edith, when she was in the house, when she just discovered she's the girlfriend, she's like, I'm going to be there for you and I'm going to support you and all this other stuff. Yeah. But then, of course, now she's just like, no, you're never going to make it. We've got a kid and all this other stuff. And um, <laughs> I like that every time we see her, too, she has more children. So many more children. To a point where it's just ridiculous at one point where she's just carrying, like, three of them, and there's, like, (laughs) another four of them sitting there. Yep. So good. Um, So good. But, yeah, so we kind of get that kind of backstory. Unfortunately, what ends up happening to Craig Robinson's uh, character is he punches his landlord and also has laryngitis. (laughs) <laughs> so he can't go on stage. Uh, so Dewey says, hey, you know, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, taking over. I could play the guitar, and I, I, I know all the songs. I've been working here, and I've been listening, and I could do a pretty good job. So the the club owner allows this to happen, which is quite hysterical because he does it just <laughs> like, I guess, Craig Robinson would, as far as even the yeah. monologue is even more or less this black lingo. 
Yeah, he's kind of like talking Ebonics a little bit. <laughs> the first song is just very offensive when sung by a white man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember how it went. It was like... Something about like loving your Negro man. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> you gotta love your Negro man. You gotta love your Negro man. Ooh, you gotta love. Yeah, so um, he's doing that, and just so happens that there's these uh, record people, uh, record label uh, Jewish people there, who are um, there to listen to the band to see whether or not they like them to see if they're going to sign, which is just unfortunate for Craig Robinson because... Womp womp. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we uh, we kind of get a little snippet of him singing and dancing some more, but now, of course, is this adult. I'll put that in air quotes. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the Jewish people really like what they hear. Uh, of course, Craig Robinson said, no, this is my band, but he's got laryngitis, so you can barely understand what he's saying. <laughs> um, so the Jewish people decide to give him a shot. Uh, yeah. So they bring him to a studio where Tim Meadows is the drummer. Uh, the bassist, I can never remember that dude's name, but he's like in a majillion things. Uh, Chris Parnell? Oh, that sounds about right. Or the other guy. Because I didn't know who the other guy was. I don't know who the other guy is. Chris Parnell, I know. Um, he was on Saturday correct. Night Live. Yes, Chris Parnell. Um, yeah. So he was the bassist, and the other guy, I don't know who he was, but he played like a bigger part, I feel like. Is it Dave? Yeah, Dave. Oh, that's Dave. You know, Dave. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So basically, um, Tim Meadows, Chris Parnell, and this this Dave guy, um, they're in a band and they are singing for the record company and the Jewish people, so they can see if they can try to cut a deal. Uh, They start singing. uh, Oh yeah, uh, something. Some Frank Sinatra song, I want to say. uh, (laughs) Or uh, Dean Martin. Uh, that's Amore. Yeah, that's Amore. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what the record label guy says is like, and what you did to that Amore is despicable. <laughs> um, but they're singing this song, basically just doing a cover of the song. The record label is not interested in this at all. Uh, he's cracking all these hilarious jokes, basically just stay. I mean, they're not hilarious to Dewey and them. It's just hilarious to me. Um, he says, there's nothing you can do that will ever allow me or allow yourself to ever recover from what you've just done to that. Tomorrow. <laughs> um, the Jewish people are like, Hey, we're already here. Let's just do one more. If they can't do it, then whatever. So be, so, um, Dewey says, all right, you know what? I let's do walk hard. It's an original song. The other guys in the band have no idea what the song is. So he's just like, no, just follow me. So it's hilarious because they even do the backup singing in this song. (laughs) (laughs) The first time they've ever heard the song. Um, But this is an instant hit. It's playing all over the place. Uh, It's just a big old hit. Of course, is the name of the the, the movie. So it kind of trickles a little bit throughout the movie. But uh, Mm -hmm. it's surprisingly, I mean, I know that John C. Riley has done like Chicago and I I believe he's done other Broadway stuff before. So I knew he can sing. But I, I mean, his range is pretty impressive throughout this whole movie. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, I'll give from, him that. from like a country song to an old soul song. I do like the one part where he started when he was a kid trying to learn the blues. And in the, uh, <laughs> the, those two black fellas uh, give him the guitar and it's like, oh, you know, this is how you play this card, <laughs> this chord. So he's a little kid and then he's got this extremely deep soul voice. I cut <laughs> my brother in half. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways. Uh, so... 
at this point, so he's making a little bit of money and he, he gets a monkey <laughs> and also a giraffe, which he apparently he took in payment <laughs> from some kind of carnival. That they were at. Saying, yeah, this is the best line ever. And when he's telling the story, he's like, yeah, we're in, we're in a carnival in New Jersey or a circus in New Jersey. And he's like, oh, we'll give you 5,000. He's like, no, you won't. You're going to give me that giraffe. <laughs> so they did. <laughs> So he's got this giraffe named Shorty. Um, So (laughs) I think it's the only time you ever see the giraffe. I know eventually they get a camel, too, because I saw the camel later on in the movie, which is just strange. The monkey does pop up at the end, and for some reason it really made me laugh. When, like, they're having the big show at the end, and, like, you see Kristen Wiig and, like, her new boyfriend are out there, and you see the monkey in the audience just, like, wearing, like, a, a woman's wig and some kind of a dress, and just looking very serious. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard, I don't even know why. It's because monkeys in people's clothing is the funniest thing. <laughs> It really is. It works every time. It does. Um, yeah, so they get the record label, and uh, they start doing a lot of tours and a lot of stuff like that, and he's away from home a lot more. Uh, they get to this one show, and uh, Kristen Wiig calls him up, and basically is just kind of like, hey, I think there's a distance between us, and uh, you know, Dewey's getting, basically just saying that that's just kind of how it is, and that's how it's going to be. There's even a, a conversation where they have face-to-face where he's like, I'm going to miss some first steps and some birthdays. And quite frankly, I'm going to miss some births. (laughs) (laughs) She's having so many babies. It's like, there's just no way I'm going to be here for all those births. (laughs) It's just not mathematically possible. Uh, But he's at the show. He kind of hangs up uh, on Edith or whatnot. And they finish the show. Uh, Oh, this show is actually a really big one for them as well, because they're not only performing for a huge crowd, but, um, Elvis is there, and so is Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper. Big Bopper's opening. <laughs> Buddy Holly's going right after him, and it was supposed to then be, from what I can tell, um, uh, Dewey and then Elvis. But Elvis wanted to take off early, so then mm-hmm. it became Elvis and Dewey, which means he's basically headlining the show. So uh, yeah. Elvis shows up, which I don't know who this guy is, but he is the funniest. <laughs> I was like, look at him, man. Really, I that was I didn't like his Elvis. Uh, I didn't I didn't he, buy it. He was a terrible <laughs> Elvis. I just like this guy. I have no. He's like one thing, or I can't remember what the first thing was. Something the about karate. Was, like, Look out, man! Two. I don't know karate. There's only two people who yeah. know karate: uh, Chinese, the Chinese people and, and me the king. and the king. <laughs> and I'm one of them. Dewey's <laughs> like I'm the king, <laughs> or not? Not Dewey. Uh, Elvis is like, and I'm the king. And then, um, uh, and then he starts like mumbling stuff. Like Elvis was like, oh, and Dewey's just like, like nodding his head, like, yeah, all right, all right. And then Elvis kind of loses. <laughs> Dewey's like, what the fuck was he saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that part. Um, Luga, yeah, that's man. pretty good. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, so of course Dewey, uh, gets a huge applause at the end of his show and, yep. uh, they want him for an encore and he's like, all right, I just need to splash some water on my face, which come, <laughs> we come to one of the greatest scenes in all movie history uh, right here. I yep. wish I wrote down this, uh, scene <laughs> word for word from line to line. Cause it's amazing. So he goes to the bathroom and Tim Meadows is in there and he is mm-hmm. smoking With a bunch of ladies. <laughs> I think some dudes. <laughs> yep. Uh, so they're smoking the weed right now, and uh, Tim, Tim Meadows is like, you don't want any of this. He's like, 
Well, no, I can't remember. See, fuck, man. Hold on. Let me see if I can find <laughs> it via Google. Hold on. I'm going to I'm going to pretty edit great. This real He's basically quick. like trying to yeah, get to uh He's, he's asking, you know, what this weed, what this weed is, and what the drawbacks are. And he basically, there are no drawbacks. It's all just good news. It <laughs> no, good it's news. not habit forming. But you don't want any of this. <laughs> all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Does it make you like feel bad, or you have like a bad trip? No, it makes everything better. <laughs> all right, so I think I got the line. So basically, uh, he walks into the bathroom and. Tim Meadows is like, "Get out of here, Dewey. You don't want none of this shit." He's like, "What are you doing in here?" He says. Well, smoking the reefer. He's like, you're smoking reefers? And Tim Meadows says, yeah, can't you smell it? And Dewey Cox <laughs> says, no, I lost my sense of smell. So um, he's like, well, you don't want any of this stuff. He's like, well, I don't want to get a hangover. He's like, well, it doesn't give you a hangover. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, I don't, uh, is it addictive? No, it's not habit forming. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want to overdose on this stuff. You can't OD on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, it's not going to make me want to have sex, is it? It makes sex better. Uh, I don't know. It kind of sounds expensive. It's the cheapest drug out there. So it basically just plays out like that to the point to where then Dewey Cox is just like, I think I do want some of this. <laughs> and then Tomato's like, all right, just one, just one. <laughs> so he comes out there, and this is where he is basically introduced to drugs. Um, but... I mean, Tim Meadows brings up some solid points. You can't even argue with any of what he's saying. It's true. <laughs> it's really, uh, it's really just playing in all the uh, the myths of uh, marijuana and really how actually safe it is uh, in real life. <laughs> it is. It's so true. Comparatively, um, yeah. And Tim Meadows' deliver his delivery is just fantastic. It is. Um, he is just a an underrated comedian. Um, like he is amazing in everything he does. Like. Mean Girls, he's one of the best parts of that movie, <laughs> just being the teacher. Don't even remember, barely remember that movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, SNL, he had so many funny yes. things. Like, SNL just the way he hilarious. sells things. Like, he's, he's just great. <laughs> like, shirt in a can, that fucking commercial, that's still one of my favorite things ever. He's just such a good comedian. And, I, I mean, he definitely <laughs> shows off in this one. There's so many funny lines from him. It's just glorious. Yeah, he does not get enough credit. For how good he is. No, not at all. Not at all. But thankfully he is in this movie. Uh, so uh, from this point on, it just kind of, it's mostly his ride to fame. He starts to make more and more music. And it gets to the point to where he wants to do a duet. Um, <laughs> now, his relationship with his wife is kind of rocky. But it seems like yeah. not a, too much is going on at this point. He is trying different drugs or whatnot. I believe he's at some point. Point. No, not there yet. I'll get to that. It's, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, at some point, he is in the hotel. It's actually shortly after the whole weed thing. Um, after the ride to his beginning ride to fame, he ends up in a hotel with a whole bunch of naked people. So many naked people. <laughs> um, and his father shows up at the door to basically tell him that his mother has died because oh, of yeah. Dewey. And Dewey's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And then we see like a jump shot of <laughs> basically his mom is listening to walk hard on the radio and is trying to get his dad into it and his dad is like well i do i have to admit this is kind of catchy and they start dancing and unfortunately his mother loses her balance and falls out the window she <laughs> is okay until the radio comes down and crushes her head so um the father of course blames the death on dewey 
where he just takes it super hard at this point, and uh, after the father leaves, he goes to the bathroom, and Tim Meadows is doing cocaine, um, <laughs> which is another hilarious bit of banter, um, or uh, drug banter. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he starts doing cocaine. Um, <laughs> which is just a great pronunciation. I love that I don't know why. Every fucking anytime you like just say something purposefully like mispronounced, it always works on me. It's it another thing that well, just always gets me. Same thing with reefer too. He's just like you're smoking <laughs> reefers. You're smoking reefers. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what he said. <laughs> you're just being an asshole. Um, but anyways, so he uh, he starts doing cocaine. So now this this ride of drugs and fame are now just kind of going and going and going. Um, he's also, obviously, he's cheating on his wife, uh, with all the girls in the hotel, and you definitely know that's something, you know, obviously, he's just being a rock star at this point. Um, so at some point, he's obviously very upset with the whole mother dying, and he tries to do punk music, and that's not working. (laughs) Because he's on so much cocaine, he's just naturally trying to play things very fast. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's so fucking amped up. He's like, you need to stop this, dude, you're going too fast and too hard. (laughs) Like some kind of a punk (laughs) um but yeah so uh they slow things down and we now are introduced to darlene who is filling in for this duet role that uh dewey i guess had asked somebody to do yeah he wants like a backup singer like a female voice up there with him and yeah yeah so he's looking for one and she kind of applies for the job the first song (laughs) is is so good (laughs) yes um, this is my favorite song in the whole movie, for sure. I want to um, blow you some kisses. <laughs> kisses. <laughs> I think it was like, I have a dream I about you blowing me. Oh, yeah. Some kiss, some of your kisses. <laughs> some kisses. I'm going to beat off my demons. <laughs> you can come in my back door. <laughs> There's so many great lines in that song. It's so good. But this song is also a montage of basically the relationship over three weeks. Uh, you see them yeah. not only singing on stage in front of a crowd or whatnot, but you're also seeing them kind of growing as a relationship. And even the movie introduces the, or uh, even talks about this sexual tension. She doesn't want there to be sex, but you know that there's this tension. <laughs> Dewey Cox doesn't give a shit. He wants it really bad, but it seems like he's letting everybody else go. Or every other girl go because he's found his attention, basically. Um, she mentions over and over again that they can't do anything sexual because they're just friends and they, they're not married, so they can't do it. <laughs> that opening scene where, or that one scene where they get off the stage and she uh, kisses him and she's like, dude, cocks, no, and it slaps him. <laughs> and he's like, what? 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 I know that we, we just have to be friends. We're just friends, and that's how it'll, it'll have to be. I know there's a, a tension between us, but we'll just have to be friends. <laughs> He's like, okay, okay. <laughs> so she's just like leans forward to do another kiss face, and then she he kisses her again. It's like, no, we're just supposed to be friends. <laughs> um, there's just so many great parts. Uh, so, yep. Um, but yeah, so we also are introduced to she will not do sex stuff until they are married, basically. <laughs> yeah. And this this is as uh, they're in like this uh, tiny. I guess this is on the bus, and yeah. she's kind of in their cramped quarters where he's sleeping, basically sleeping on top of him. Yeah. Thanks for letting <laughs> me share with your bunk. 
I like that they start talking like sexy talk and you see Chris Parnell just like playing with his nipples. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I'm really, oh man, I'm really urging for uh, affection from a man. And what I mean by that <laughs> is I want a penis in my vagina. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I need a man's touch, by which I mean a penis in my vagina. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but yeah, so we are uh, we are getting this, you know, kind of truck moving into now they are going to get married, which is not a good thing because he's still technically married. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, so they end up getting married at a basically a Las Vegas like courtroom or wedding chapel or whatever it was. Um, and they run off to a hotel room where uh, <laughs> he comes out of the bathroom. And he's like, I'm ready for sex. And he comes out of there looking like a bull, like, it's just, I don't know what woman would ever marry that man, but my God, it's just incredible. I don't know who wouldn't. I know. It's hilarious. Um, But yeah, he basically pounces on her. And unfortunately, at the same time, Edith shows up and uh, we see this now quarrel between uh, Edith and Darlene and... We just keep saying to both of them, it's not what it looks like. Well, which one does it look like, to me or for her? Um, it's got to be what it looks like to at least one of us. <laughs> yep. And uh, so basically Edith takes off and then uh, Darlene takes off. And now, unfortunately, Dewey's all by himself and all by his lonesome. Yep. Uh, it seems like he's going down a, a, a longer road of drugs and whatever. Um until I think he finally makes up with Darlene at some point. Ah, uh, well, he goes to rehab. That's right, the rehab. That, that's yep. what happens. He goes to. I forgot rehab. how he ends up in rehab. This is the dark part. Oh, I remember. He gets arrested uh, on the street because he bought some drugs off somebody, <laughs> and he tells the cops it's not what it looks like. <laughs> um, and then he takes off running. They they arrest him and then they put him in rehab. The best part is the Jewish conversation. Apparently, he has now learned Islam because he starts speaking in Jewish to, um, oh, God, what's his name? Egon. Yeah, Harold Ramis. Yeah, Harold Ramis. And uh, they're speaking in Islam. And then Harold Ramis says the word rehab. He's like, rehab. And Dewey's like, rehab? He's like, yeah, rehab. I I don't know. And Harold Ramis is like, rehab. (laughs) <laughs> he's like oh oh got it <laughs> <laughs> that reminded me of when you were a kid and you met oh god i think your controller died it always dies on the good parts he'll be back he'll be back ladies and gentlemen there we go there it is <laughs> uh reminded me of what i didn't hear what you said <laughs> that incident with you and the uh the ice cream man when we were kids <laughs> Who kept saying vanilla, vanilla and vanilla. you couldn't understand that he was saying vanilla. It didn't make sense. I thought he was saying caramel. All right. Wait a minute. This is it vanilla. sounds so similar. Um, so it's true, actually. Never thought about it that way. But uh, so he goes to rehab where he's just he's just too cold. He's too cold. And the nurse calls for more blankets. He's going to need more blankets. Oh, yeah. Blankets. I love this part. I'm too hot. I'm too hot. He needs less blankets. I'm too hot and too cold. He needs more blankets and less blankets. <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's so great. 
great. Yeah, their whole strategy was blanket related. I love it. He's, he's just been hindered under all these blankets. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, uh, it was. So, anyways, um, we we see all that, and that's very very funny. And we, um, uh, he's basically making up with Darlene at this point at the end of his uh, session of rehab. He's swearing off drugs. And he tries to get his life back on the road. Of course, this is in the 60s now at this point where he's trying new things. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Dewey. They're doing like an interview with him. They're like, hey, Dewey, doesn't it sound weird? Or isn't it weird that a lot of people are comparing you to Bob Dylan now? And he's doing like exactly Bob Dylan songs or like <laughs> yeah. Billy Joel songs. <laughs> like with the midgets <laughs> thing, which is just hilarious. Uh, that midget oh, song yeah. is just incredible. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, Olive jumps to the dock as I'm licking your face. (laughs) 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 So funny. And there's a bunch of short people there that are just like, just nodding in approval. Like, yep, this is the song. This is what brings us together. This is our guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then he gets a wild hair up his ass because he wants to go to India. And they're like, hey, do you think um, that you're ready for India? Um, basically, and then he's like, yeah, I think I'm ready for India, and I think India is ready for me. And he <laughs> ends up going to India, where he meets up with the Beatles, who are played, we already alluded to this earlier, but basically, Paul McCartney's played by Jack Black, John Lennon's played that, by... to me, was the worst one. <laughs> yeah, I think... That Not was... even just because I hate Jack, Jack Black, yeah. but also he had no resemblance to Paul McCartney. I think that was didn't the... sound like him I in the slightest. I think that was the purpose, because obviously Paul McCartney's not fat, but to have Jack Black as him, I think that was like parody or parodied or parodied because I don't think they, I, I'm pretty sure they did that on purpose. Obviously he, had, he, he doesn't have an accent and he doesn't look anything like Paul McCartney, <laughs> no. uh, but Paul Roy plays John Lennon. Uh, he John, was great. Yeah. He was amazing. <laughs> Somebody said that he did a bad impression and uh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. He was the best one. He was uh, Justin Long. That was plays, spot on. Uh, George Harrison, which is pretty funny too, but <laughs> Jason mm-hmm. Schwartzman as Ringo Starr is pretty fucking funny too. <laughs> that I would probably even say that, that was the second best because <laughs> that yes, was hilarious. I agree. Um, <laughs> he was great. I wrote a song about an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Ringo! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but yeah, it's it's super super funny. Uh, yeah, but. Paul Rudd definitely steals the show as John Lennon, though. <laughs> you have to imagine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he nailed the voice. <laughs> Lines were great. <laughs> he was even doing like weird things with his eyes, where they got like extra beady or something. Like super weird facial so weird. expressions, because even his mouth was super strange, just the way he moved and talked. I'm one of the Beatles. <laughs> um, but yeah, all, all four of them are hilarious. Um, they decided to do LSD, which is uh, quite quite a trip. Of course, he gets permission from his uh, from Darlene to do it, mm-hmm. and they go into an acid trip. He, he basically promises, saying that this is I'm just do, doing this. It's not going to awake any demons. Then uh, <laughs> just, I'm just going to do this with the Beatles. Uh, so he takes a little bit of acid. They go into basically the yellow submarine cartoon because um, it's just psychedelic where he unfortunately has a weird bad trip about a machete cutting things in half. <laughs> um, and then he wakes up. And he's like, that was badass. Let's do some more. And this just leads him down a, a crazy, 
crazy a little rabbit hole again <laughs> of drugs. Um, gets, I think around this time he first sees the uh, – he's been seeing like, the ghost of his brother all these times. Yes. Uh, but now he gets to see like the grown-up version of his brother's ghost who's played by Jonah Hill. <laughs> Which – I'm not even against. I think that's funny as well. Yeah. Like, this is what I would have looked like if I grew up to be an adult. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> you know how hard it is to masturbate when you when you got a ghost <laughs> with a ghost hand. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Dewey. Fuck you. <laughs> um, yeah, he was great. Uh, but yeah, so he is seeing his uh, his dead brother more. Uh, but because of all the LSD, he's basically taking. Um, he's seeing like this world where he doesn't want to write music about himself. He wants to write it about more of the world and more of this like open mindedness. So he's like working on this grand song that he started writing whilst jumping on a trampoline for four days. And, uh, it's just this elaborate, crazy thing. Like, uh, one of his bandmates, it's like five songs on top of like five songs on top of each other. And it's just a mess. Um, but when you listen to it, it's beautiful. There's even a goat in there. They bring a goat. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yep. The Aborigines are in there. It's all sort of It's like a whole shit. orchestra and like every, yeah, pretty much anything you could think of. It's so bizarre. This one song is clearly costing so much money. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, it basically drops the song. He actually, he's just on a crazy LSD trip where uh, Darlene says she's going to leave him. Uh, unless he stops the drugs, he says, I promise I'm not going to take any more drugs. And as he says that, he slips <laughs> a little bit of LSD in his mouth. And she's like, what was that? It's like gum. Open your mouth. Let me see it. Like, what, is, what was that? It's candy. <laughs> um, he's like, no, it was, PC, it was PCP. And then that PCP <laughs> makes him turn into basically King Kong, which becomes what this is like where I was like, this is yeah, part of the movie out. where I was just like, oh, man, it's kind of drags like right around here. And then when he goes crazy and he flips that car over and he's throwing, like, mailboxes <laughs> through windows, it's like, yep, back to being good again. <laughs> he uh, saved it. He, claimed, he starts to climb a building and it's just he looks like King Kong. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, unfortunately, the drugs have basically taken over at this point again. Um, and shit's just <laughs> spiraling downhill. He can't come up with anything. He's calling it song block, I think, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he can't write anything. He's just having so much difficulty doing so. Um, the, so- uh, the band gets super frustrated and they basically all leave and they have a whole list of complaints. Uh, Tim Meadows, of course, is the one who's there. Just, <laughs> he keeps repeating like every time they go around, he's just, his one line is just, and you never paid for drugs. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> And everybody just keeps saying <laughs> random things like all the you slept with my wife and you slept with me and I'm still confused about that and you never paid for drugs not once. Um, God, it's so good. <laughs> it was great. That got me every time. <laughs> he ends it that way too. She's like, and you never pay for drugs. Yeah, not once. <laughs> <laughs> I was so glad later on when he's trying to make amends with all his band members, he brings them a big bag of weed. <laughs> oh, man, it's so good. Tim Meadows just smiles. <laughs> um, so at this point, the band is basically broken up and he's just shutting down. He's sat, He kind of gets to the point to where, because he keeps seeing his brother, uh, he gets to the point to where he's like going. Now he wants to go to his father, basically make amends with him. And mm-hmm. um, he... <laughs> He basically pours his heart out, and his father's like, well, we're going to have to settle well, this once and for all. You're skipping the most important part of that scene. 
where before he even gets there, the dad is in the barn sweeping up, singing a jaunty little tune about how the wrong kid died. That's true. He just does every day, apparently. I will mention that every single time that you do see his father in this movie, from the point to where Nate is cut in half, every other time the father shows up, he always says the wrong kid died. Over and over again, to the point to where it's at the very end of the movie, where he's singing the song, not knowing that Dewey's even there. He's just singing the song, the wrong kid died. It's just so good. Um, so anyways, uh, he pours his heart out to him. The father then, uh, challenges him to a machete fight, which, uh, (laughs) they are now both fighting with machetes. His father has been training since, (laughs) apparently since Nate has been cut in half for this moment. Um, not very well, apparently. No, not very well at all to where he goes to swing. It's, it's basically the haymaker of all machete cuts, but Dewey is able to basically just jump just far enough back to where the machete just misses him and then the father cuts himself in half (laughs) and they have a moment where his father realizes how easy it is to cut someone in half um and he apologizes to dewey and he's sorry for (laughs) basically everything and Dewey is sure that he's gonna, his dad's going to be okay because it's the 1970s by now, and surely the science has come a long way in putting people's top half and bottom half back together again. <laughs> it's the 1970s. Um, but, yeah, so uh, unfortunately the father dies because he's cut in half, and uh, it's, <laughs> Dewey shuts down again, where every time like somebody dies, he goes somewhere and starts breaking stuff or throwing sinks or smashing stuff. Um, and he's sitting in a room where he's just breaking all the silverware and just bending every single piece of silverware, um, where it's just like lasting hours into the night and he's still bending silverware. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it gets to the point to where he realizes that it's his kids that he needs to worry about. And one, just oddly enough is one of his kids just shows up at the house and says, do you want to play He doesn't even know who he is. Yeah. He's like, and don't take this the wrong way, but what's your name? It's like, I'm Dewey Jr., but they call me Dewdrop. Um, so they start playing catch, and uh, eventually more of his kids show up. We find out he's basically got 28 kids. Uh, there's 14 from, I would imagine, Edith, and 14 just spread around either between Darlene, maybe, and just a bunch of other people. Yeah, I don't know. I have maybe. no idea. Because, I mean, there's a They're couple kids that are races. definitely different races. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, so there's a black say. kid, a weird Asian kid. I'm pretty sure that there was some kind of elf in there. It was crazy. Um, and it kept, <laughs> he plays catch with them all this for is, the next couple decades. And this is where you're going to have to – yeah, that's true. Uh, where you're going to have to fill in. This is about where I left off before we started talking. So, Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he basically starts playing catch with these kids for a long time. <laughs> He's getting older and older uh, as we see time passing by. Um, eventually, I think it's one of the kids' birthdays, and that's when Darlene comes back. She's, you know, they're in their 50s at this, at this point. Um, and she shows up to bring the, a present for the one kid, and they kind of start talking again. And uh, I guess she was with Glenn Campbell for a while, <laughs> but she left him, and so now she's single again. And uh, they kind of have a good moment, kind of reconcile a little bit, and uh, he's hugging her over by the river. And he's just like, uh, oh, did you wash your hair today? 
And she's like, yeah. Oh, it smells so nice. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I can smell it. I can smell your hair. My sense of smell is back. <laughs> so I guess he's finally faced all of his demons, and <laughs> now he has his sense of smell back. <laughs> so uh, him and Darlene get back together, and eventually I think they just kind of skip ahead to the point where uh, it's they're having the big, you know, like career retrospective for him at like the Grammys or something like that. They're going to have this big honor for him, like a lifetime achievement award. And he's going to come on stage and perform. And he's got to kind of get the band back together so that they can do this one last show. And uh, he goes around to everyone's, you know, the old guys to their uh, to their houses yep. to get them, get them on board. And uh, like I said, Tim Meadows, he brings them a giant bag of weed. <laughs> That's all the convincing he needed. <laughs> uh, so they all get together they're at the big show um <laughs> i think first they had like uh who was it jewel uh maybe lyle lovett and somebody else like singing walk hard um oh yeah <laughs> that's jewel, right jewel like only says hard that's like the only line she has <laughs> like they'll just like Randomly, someone else will be singing, and then Jewel just goes hard, <laughs> and they get to the next person. <laughs> it was pretty great. Um, <laughs> so then Eddie Vedder is kind of up on stage introducing him, <laughs> and he does some big whole monologue about like, well, if uh, if Elvis is the Jesus of rock and roll, and uh, Willie Nelson is the Ezekiel. <laughs> And he just goes through like all these Bible people and shit. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> longest, weirdest speech ever. <laughs> but I like that. And then uh, we cut to backstage um, where Dewey is kind of, he's resisting temptation this time. <laughs> There's some girls, like some young girls who want to have sex with him. And they're just like, he's just like, no, no, I can't do that. Like I'm going to hang out with my wife after this. Be gone, strumpets. <laughs> and... <laughs> One of them says that he fucked their grandmother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh that's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> and then he uh, he walks in to do a bathroom where Tim Meadows is in there again <laughs> with some hot ladies. <laughs> and he's like, what do you got there? <laughs> it's Viagra. <laughs> it's medication that gives you a boner. <laughs> it's prescription. <laughs> And Dewey's just like, I, no, I don't want any of that. He's like, what? Didn't you hear me? I said it gives you a boner. That <laughs> 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 was some of the finest work in the whole movie right there. Uh, <laughs> just the way he delivers that line. It was amazing. <laughs> so he's like, good. I cannot give in to temptation. And then he walks out and the temptations are back there. Oh, yeah, singing that's the song. right. <laughs> That was pretty good. I forgot uh, and then that. it all kind of culminates in them all getting on stage. Uh, Darlene's there, the band and him. And uh, like we already mentioned, you kind of see a lot of the people from the movie out in the audience, uh, like Kristen Wiggs out there and <laughs> the monkey <laughs> in the wig. Who's <laughs> <laughs> watching very intently, very sternly, <laughs> not being moved by this performance at all. <laughs> And I uh, like the ghost of his parents and his brother are off to the side and some other guy dies at some at a certain point during the performance. And he shows up as a ghost, too. 
That's so good. That's pretty great. And uh, that's pretty much how it ends. I just kind of go out with that big performance. And there's a song over the credits, I think, about how Dewey Cox has died. (laughs) But he's singing it, so it's like, okay. (laughs) It's so good. It's a great movie. I have very much fun with this movie. The first time I saw it, I was in, like, uh, AIT, uh, the Army, mm-hmm. my advanced Army training kind of stuff. And we were all in, like, the barracks just watching it. And I was like, God damn, this is a good movie. Because I, I vaguely remember when it came out, because I think I was in basic at the time when it did. Um, or at least close to basic, I think. And I kind of remember when it came out, but not, not too much. But, man, oh, man, I'm so glad I got to watch that then. Cause I, <laughs> because it's one of those, like hidden gems almost at this point like nobody really talks about it so i don't know if i i would ever have watched it if i didn't see it back then and it's unfortunate because it is such a good movie it really is it really is it it definitely skewers all of those kind of like movie or uh, music biopics and it really does a good job uh of taking all those cliches and making them hilarious and just the one-liners are so good uh that i i really enjoyed this movie yeah, um, I'm glad I finally watched it. I, I wish I would have seen it sooner. Yeah, I, I knew you <laughs> it was would... one of those things I kept putting off. But now that I've seen it, I'm I'm glad I did. I knew deeply you would have liked it because there's just there's a lot of good actors in there. And the, the one liners, I knew it was your type of comedy for sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I, I knew eventually if I can get you to see it, you would enjoy it. So I'm glad you yeah. finally have done so. That is a good. <laughs> Definitely did. It was it was a good time all the way around and. Jenna Fisher was looking good, so that she didn't hurt was. either. <laughs> she was. <laughs> I do really like her. Yeah. She cool beans. She cool beans. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, um, best death? <laughs> um, probably the mom. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. I don't know. I'd like... <laughs> oh, yeah, true. There's so many good There's deaths. machetes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so many good machete deaths. I don't even know which would be the best one, though. <laughs> There's too many damn good ones for there to just be. Oh, one. I know. Uh, mm. I do like the father dying. That's pretty great. Yeah, that was probably the best. Especially since it was part of the, right after him singing that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. <laughs> Can't even argue with that. Nope. <laughs> all right um what else is there to talk about what are the uh, best final girl uh-oh <laughs> uh-oh jenna fisher <laughs> yeah i think we found a new one after all this time <laughs> i mean i don't know if this counts though because it's not really a final girl but it's not a horror movie oh that's true <laughs> you're just kind of a girl <laughs> in a movie yeah you're just regular girl not final girl yeah all right, I'll, I'll I'll take that. I'll agree to that. But best looking girl of the movie, definitely her. Yeah, for sure, for sure. There's uh, is there any scenes that stand out to you that you're like, yep, that was good that we didn't talk about already? Um, I'm sure there were some lines that I forgot about. I, I'm thinking there was one that I remember early on that I wish I could remember, but. It might have been one we already talked about. It's one of those things where I can't even put a finger on what it was about. <laughs> so we might have already talked about it. But 
Yeah, I think we hit all the the biggest ones that I really, really loved. Yeah. There's so, it's just so many great, great things in the movie. Um, I do like the <laughs> one scene where he's in the hotel room and he's talking to his wife on the phone. And uh, that one guy has basically just got his penis out and he keeps talking. <laughs> he keeps talking. He's like, yeah, Bert, I, yeah, I, no, <laughs> I don't know where your flip flops are at, but I'm, I'm on the my phone or I'm on the phone with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to sit there, and then uh, and then when his dad shows up at the door, <laughs> and then uh, Dewey answers the door, and there's a couple of naked chicks to the left, and it's the same guy <laughs> with his wiener hanging out, and even the dad's like looking at it, and he's like, "We should probably get out of here." <laughs> oh man, it's disturbing on all the levels. Um, yep. Yeah, I think we nailed all the good stuff. We got all the good I think stuff. We did. Way. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great. I highly recommend this movie to anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, trust me, we didn't even do it justice for <laughs> how funny it actually is. That's so true. That movie is just pure gold. Um, like I said, there's a couple small parts that uh, might drag just a little bit, but I mean, there's just too many good parts to just dismiss the movie. So, yeah, I agree. I recommend it definitely. It. Yeah, it's it's solid. It's very damn solid. And just so underrated. All right, so I believe we have some news to go through. You want to start us off no, with some no, comic no, booze? News. Comic book news, <laughs> not booze. Well, it is a booze, okay. I guess. Uh, well, I got, some, I got two big stories here. All right. Um, neither of them I'm very happy about. Perfect. <laughs> but uh, let's start with The Walking Dead, the, uh, the comic book, not the show. Uh, they might have killed off Rick Grimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, which uh, would be unfortunate because you know, I don't know if character. I really want to keep reading it <laughs> if he's dead. Interesting. Uh, yeah, they uh, the list, this latest issue came out, I think, two weeks ago now, and um, he got shot at the very end and basically shot in the chest. So, you know, it's could be fatal. Pretty, yeah, very could could be. But it seems like, you know, Carl's gotten shot so many times and still lived. So <laughs> including right in the head. So you never know. He might still pull out of this, but it sure seemed like they were setting it up all issue. Like, you know, they had uh, he basically gave a big speech to kind of stop all this fighting. It was like, you know, we don't have to live moment to moment anymore. We're not the walking dead anymore. <laughs> and they basically did a whole, you know, like reversal of the big speech he gave a couple of years ago. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we've taken him as far as we can go. And then they had a big speech with like him and Carl walking home to different places. And like, I'm real proud you're my dad. And he's like, I'm real proud of you, Carl. <laughs> so it's like, oh, man, they really uh-huh. seem like they're killing him off here. This is, they're trying to wrap everything up in a nice, neat, you know, nice, neat bow and then kill him off. So I guess we'll see happen. next month. Yeah. I uh, I don't want them to do that because there's not a whole lot of characters left that I give a shit about. Are you excited for the new TV show uh, spinoff? No, <laughs> can't say that I am. Nice. I haven't really heard exactly what the setting of that one is, though. Like, where is that one taking place? I have no idea. I just heard that it, yeah. just, it just got uh, announced that it is happening. And then the other one, uh, Fear the Walking Dead or whatever, just got approved for a new season, which I don't understand how. I, can't, I, don't, I don't understand why they're doubling down on making more of these shows when people have already stopped watching the ones they have. Yeah. <laughs> I've completely, like, I, lo- I loved The Walking Dead. I thought it was so good. And then I think they jumped the shark at some point. 
Yeah, they really did. They just the episodes started getting really bad and like they were very long but never went anywhere, <laughs> which is a problem. Too much story, not enough zombieolies. I mean, you can't have that much zombies really, but <laughs> I don't mind the story. It's just you have to have something happen. You can't just be like spiraling around the drain for an entire season like, "Oh, we're going to fight these saviors eventually." But not yet. That's true. Here's here's Negan coming in, but nope, nothing happens yet. He somehow got in a fight with Rick, but they both escaped. All right, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, you dumb. can't just you're just killing time basically to get to the season finale. Yep. <clears throat> and no one likes that. <laughs> Such when you focus like entire episodes on Tara and yeah. shit. Nobody cares about. Definitely that way. She's pregnant. Yeah, sad time. So, yeah, if they kill Rick off, I might just stop reading that comic because I don't don't blame you. I don't blame you. I thought they were going to bring Daryl into the comic, but they still as of yet have not. (laughs) Oh, weird. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't as of yet. They're going to do it like right when The Walking Dead is going to be shit. (laughs) Maybe they're waiting to kill off Rick and then they'll be like, oh, look, now we got Daryl. Keep reading. (laughs) <laughs> then is Merle going to be there then too? Yeah, I don't know. Merle. That'd be cool. Oh, that's another story. We should. I guess we could talk about that. Did you hear that Michael Rooker is probably going to be playing King Shark? Oh. In the new Suicide Squad movie that James Gunn is doing, which makes sense because he's in every James Gunn movie. <laughs> hmm. I have not heard that, but it makes me happy. Yeah. I'm not against that. I'm not. No, that's that's good casting, I think. I always like seeing Michael Rooker in things. That's true. It's pretty good. Yeah, no, I think that'd be a good fit. Yeah. Good fit. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that movie off, but it's certainly starting to be shaping up to be better than the first one. Especially if they keep the Joker out of it. God, I hope so. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, the other big comic book news is another disappointing thing. Um I obviously am mostly a Marvel guy, but, you know, sometimes I'll read some DC books, mostly Batman. Um, And so with the Detective Comics 1000 that recently came out, they were introducing the Arkham Knight finally into the comics. Uh, But it was people were pretty much thinking it's not going to be Jason Todd because that wouldn't make sense since he's already with Red Hood and Batman already knows he's back. He's been back for a long time at this point, so that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, no. So, this week, Detective Comics, I think 1003 or whatever issue it was, came out. And I've sadly bought all the issues since then because I wanted to see, you know, where this is going, who the Arkham Knight is and all that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, So, basically, the last issue ended with the Arkham Knight taking the helmet off and Robin seeing it. Um, but we didn't, you know, we obviously didn't get to see who it was yet. So this one picks up right where that one left off. And apparently the Arkham Knight it better not be a female in the comics. Yep. Some blonde lady. <laughs> yep. You called that one right, right away. Apparently she is the daughter of Jeremiah Arkham. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Well, He's like I, I I know, the guy who runs Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Well, but 
Yeah, she's not even a character. Like, Robin was even like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> so it really takes away, besides the fact of how stupid that is, to just be like, oh, here, now it's this woman. It takes all the personal touch out of this. Like, the Arkham Knight was cool because he knew all of Batman's techniques. He knew all of his tricks and how he operates and all that kind of shit so he could plan against him. This chick doesn't know anything about Batman. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, here, I'm going to... I I I'm, I wouldn't consider myself sexist, even though the internet thinks I am. But <laughs> I will say this: this could be okay. And I only say this since, if her father is running Arkham Asylum, then maybe she has insight on maybe some of the crazies that are in Arkham Asylum, which maybe she would get information from some of those crazies to learn some of Batman's techniques. And maybe if they explain the story right, they could do this right. Now, I'm glad that it's not Jason Todd. I'll say that up front. Yeah. I'm not completely right. against it being a female. You know, I, it's it's such a negative thing for me nowadays because that's where everybody goes. But I, outside of that oh. mindset, I'll say this. I'm not against that. If they do it right, it could be cool. I'm not against them introducing brand new characters to the series. And it seems like if they do this right and they explain maybe something cool, like I was just saying, maybe she, she has got a lot of inside information because of all the villains that are in Arkham. That would make sense to me. Like, oh, she knows all this stuff because all these people have dealt with him. So maybe she's good as in like being uh, almost like a, not investigator, but like interrogator <laughs> who she can be talking to all these different criminals. Now, it is kind of weird that you would think that maybe – somebody would know who she is at this point. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that, that's the thing is if you're going to do that, then just have, just show her identity from the get go, because why bother building up this mystery? If you know, you're just going to disappoint people by making it somebody they don't even know <laughs> and has no connection to anything important. That's, that's um, true. I wish they would have thought and had a bit more thought into it, but I mean, how far ahead, you know, She's like, I guess it would be cool to have some, like, inkling of who she is, but because no one, I mean, how how many years has Batman been going on now? Like 50, 60, 70 years? It's like 80, I 80, think. Yeah. This it, is the 80th anniversary. So <laughs> if you think about it, Batman's been going on and he's never aged a single year. It's hard to fit new characters in to kind of offer new surprises to mm-hmm. the series. Because, like, oh, who's this chick? I, nobody knows who this is. Well, I mean, it's hard to put new people into something that's 80 years old where nobody ages, that everybody's living the same year over and over and <laughs> over again. So it's hard to do that. I'm, I guess I'm not completely against this for now. If they do it right, I think it could be cool. Um, but, I mean, only one way to find out. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I guess some people will. <laughs> I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that's interesting. Kamaka news. Um, yeah. I got a little bit of video game nerds. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, Monster Hunter World was a huge game that happened to have come out in January. <laughs> it's a huge January. game in your pants. It is. It's like a whole world. Um, it came out last year, <laughs> January 2018. It was a pretty big hit. Uh, a lot of people, it was an uh, introduction to the Monster Hunter World. Um, and for veterans, it was a, a beautiful game. Apparently, what they did was streamline a lot of the stuff. A lot of uh, uh, fixes were made from previous games that just made the gameplay a lot better for veterans. And then it was a great introduction to beginners, such as myself. I've never played a single one. Really like Monster Hunter World a lot. 
uh, sunk mm-hmm. yeah. many of hours into <laughs> Definitely that. Definitely did. Um, now, that being said, they've, all, they've teased for the last, man, like seven months, six, seven months, that they were going to be releasing this brand new huge expansion. Uh, they teased it, I think, January, December or January, uh, very quick tr- teaser trailer. All we knew it was going to be some kind of like ice terrain land. We weren't sure exactly all the details. Um, I think it's called Iceborne is the name of the expansion itself. So everybody's assuming mm-hmm. it's going to be offering a new portion of this world. Uh, with new climate, uh, ice. We haven't seen that yet. We've got lava, we got desert, but we did not get li- uh, ice. Ice. Um, <laughs> but That'd be awesome. Uh, the new trailer just came out. It looks like yep, uh, brand new, brand new terrain, climate, and all that stuff. Brand new monsters. So, oh man, I've only seen two of them Uh-oh. so far because I haven't completely gone into all of them. My hopes are. That you did not have to beat the complete game. Um, yeah, I, I was just thinking I, of I've that. I've been sitting on the same boss now for, it seems like, forever. And it's because I don't... I've tried. I've tried so hard, everybody, to get my cousin and my brother to play this game with me. But they <laughs> just they just want to get drunk every time we play. <laughs> so I have to sit there and basically do all, a lot of these missions by myself. And I've done... I'm not gonna. I'm not going to laugh. I'll toot my own horn on this. I fucking basically <laughs> did it all by myself up until this last dude. And I'm just just sitting on the last guy right now. Um, <laughs> that being said, a lot of the extra game content that's come out for the game, um, not all of it, but a lot of it, uh, has had to do with as long as you've beaten the game, beaten that boss that I'm on, you can access all this extra stuff. That's cool, <laughs> except for I haven't beat them yet. Um, they have released, I think, one one new monster that you did not have to be that specific rank, which is nice. Um, he's pretty yeah. awesome. Um, he's basically just a giant, kind of almost like a T Rex, like that uh, that one that we saw in that first forest. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he's got like a crazy, like an alligator mouth. I don't know. It's crazy. He's so cool looking. Hmm. Um, the Devil Joe. Uh, but anyways. Uh, so I'm hoping that's not the case for this new expansion uh, or DLC for the game. It's supposed to be huge, and I, man, I want to say it was free. <laughs> I want to say Damn. that this was free for everybody. I could be wrong, but from what I remember, they said that all the DLC for this game that contains the actual game content is going to be free. Anything else was just extra stuff like the uh, there's like a Street Fighter, like you could be Ryu. It has nothing to do with yeah. the gameplay. It's just aesthetics, and you can pay for that if you want. Um, they also did that with Mega Man. You didn't actually even have to pay for the Mega Man stuff. You just had to do the event, which was really cool. Um, nice. And that was completely free, which is nice. Uh, all of the monsters that they've introduced, ones before or after the big boss, have all been free. I'm hoping this next thing's free. Even if it's not, it looks like it's a huge DLC. I, I would throw in maybe 10, 15 bucks at it because sure. I've, as long as I don't have to beat that big boss. Um, some of the dudes look cool. One of them looks like a giant dinosaur deer. It just looks like a giant dinosaur with antlers, and he looks badass. <laughs> and the other one looks like uh, a shark, which is pretty crazy because he's like a shark in the snow. That sounds yeah. terrifying to me. He definitely has a dorsal fin, so like when he's coming at you, it's just like it's a shark that's just swimming in the snow. It looks really cool looking. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm excited huh. to check out the rest of the trailer, but that's going to be coming out in September. They finally released the date that's not too far away. Uh, pretty excited for that. Uh, Super Mario Maker uh, 2. It's coming out in June. Do, 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 do. Um, oh, shit. So that's going to be a huge one for myself if it comes out in the beginning of June. Goodbye, Vegas, because here I am creating my own Vegas. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah. Now, uh, what does this one do differently? Is it all just? I mean, didn't the last one have everything in it? So, so it how is this one going to be? Did any ish. different? Uh, so, uh, it's weird because you think about it and you're like, man, the first one had what I would say everything in it. And then I saw this one come out, and it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot those things were in the other games. Uh, so uh, this one introduces slopes, like in Mario 3, where you can slide on your butt and kind of uh, slide into enemies <laughs> and knock people down. They're finally putting slopes in there. They're doing platforms where you can do automated on a, uh, a track. So, like, if you want a platform to go left and right, you can do that, which was in the first game. But now if you want a platform to go left, up, down, right, however you want to do the pattern... Um, it'll actually do that for you as well. So you can kind of put your, put Mario on like a crazy track. Um, they're introducing some new enemies, which is always really cool. Um, I believe there's a multiplayer aspect to it now. So if you want to do, um, you know, Mario and Luigi there, I believe that's what this one has now as well. Um, can you also have like Toad and Princess from Mario 2? God, I hope so. I really do. I'm hoping they put in yeah. a lot more of the Mario 2 stuff, to be honest. Um, they do not have, of course, a lot of that stuff, which is unfortunate because that was oh. basically part of a different game. But Yeah, that's I'm, probably why. I'm hoping they the do. Doki Doki Panic license. Yeah, I'm hoping to baby Jesus that they also include the uh, the skins from the first one or like the first one had so like after you completed so many uh challenges or whatever you would get a new skin and as long as you were playing in the mario one level you can actually reskin mario to whatever basically you could turn him into squirtle into excite bike into zelda into pac-man into sonic into whatever the hell as long as you had nice. that skin unlocked you could tr- you could turn mario into that and oh my god i hope that they include that again because I, I one I love unlocking stuff, and then two there was just so many great like things you could turn Mario into. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping they include that again, uh, and I think that's about it as far as new new news. news news nudes. It's the only news we have this week. Nude nudes. I'm going to try to get better and try to pull some more news on different stuff. Now, uh, I know that you have just recently seen Detective Pikachu. Mikachu. Yeah. Um, Now, I've gone and listened to other reviews, even Jeremy John's review. Um, Jeremy John's. And it seems like the feelings are almost mutual across the board, which is weird because I feel like some of these reviewers are being lighter on this film when I feel like, they want to be harder. Jeremy Johns <laughs> doesn't like Pokemon. It's not like he doesn't like Pokemon. He just doesn't know of it. I've also seen okay. ABGNs. Not like he dislikes it. He just doesn't know. Right. Um, I've seen uh, Cinemassacre's review, which is weird because uh, James has no idea anything about Pokemon. <laughs> so yep. he's like, yeah, I've seen some of them, and I only know them from, like, Smash Brothers, but I've never – I don't know anybody – besides like three or four of them that I've actually seen. So it was cool to see their perspective. It didn't seem like James Rolfe was that into this movie. He said it was all right. Uh, He said that Ryan Reynolds was fine. Uh, It wasn't as great, but he said it was fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically stole the show for any of the movie. Uh, A lot of people, it seems like, didn't like that Tim guy. I'm assuming is the uh, whatever his face is. Um, Yeah, he was pretty terrible. um, So that seems bad. They said the movie kind of seems weird. It's 
a movie. Um, and what they mean by that, and this is both Jeremy Agreed. and James, <laughs> they don't know if this is for families or adults or what and what this movie is supposed to be because Pokemon have always been like this family for like kids thing. But then there's apparently scenes in this movie that are darker that for like for kids to just watch. I don't know. I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess in a way you could say that. Like, uh, I guess some of the themes might be a little bit more adult, but yet all the dialogue and humor and the characters are all meant for kids. So it's it it's, doesn't fit together very well. You're, neither audience, I would say, is going to get satisfaction out of this. That's what I've heard so far. It's just <laughs> kind of disjointed. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, let's see. What else can I pull? I mean, I guess there is people dying and shit at some point. The, uh, the villains plot in this movie made no fucking sense. <laughs> it seems like a lot of people wanted, uh, Giovanni or anybody from yeah. rocket league. Uh, I also watched angry Joe, uh, do a review. Um, mm-hmm. and he, he says, this is an achievement of a Pokemon universe, <laughs> but he hates this story. <laughs> He says yeah. he's he loves the direction that they went as far as getting the graphics and the realistic Pokemon and mixing real life with Pokemon into a world. He says that that was fine. And he's hoping to God that there's another Pokemon movie, but not in this universe. <laughs> and yeah, I, I can see that. He's like, if they did something where it was like the anime or something like from the movies or something that yep. we can kind of get that nostalgic feel, but still kind of like an origin story. Something that story. involves Pokemon battling. <laughs> yeah, anything that we grew up or even new kids that are playing the the new games are are aware of instead of just Detective Pikachu, which was a, a pretty shitty DS game from what I've gathered from my little bit of research that I did. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that game got really well re, um, received, so... <laughs> I can't imagine it would. It's just weird that it's, they went uh, this way. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could have made Hey You Pikachu into a movie and it would have been worse, but other than that, <laughs> now I wouldn't mind. Everyone just shouting at the screen, <laughs> go left! I wouldn't mind if they did a Pokemon <laughs> Snap movie. Oh, that would be great. I would rather just be the guy playing. Uh, Although, yeah, if they got this kid to be the photographer, it'd be, like, bored <laughs> out of my mind. That's very true. So Even true. the girl from uh, Paranormal Activity 4, like... I heard she saw I it. mean, she's good-looking, but... Yes, fucking her character was weird and not in a good way. Just like cartoonish. It's never a good sign. Yeah, never a good sign. Um, it uh, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like I couldn't tell like what age people were supposed to be. <laughs> like the one dude, the main dude and his friend were acting like teenagers, but he had a job as like an insurance agent. So I guess he was an adult. <laughs> They, uh, his friend was um, Dopinder from Deadpool. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I guess that's so not that's too cool. bad. Yeah, you get some uh, some Ryan Reynolds crossover there. But they never had a scene together, like Pikachu and the friend. Oh. So it's like, oh, man. That's sad. It's a missed I, opportunity. I did hear that originally uh, they were going to cast Danny DeVito as Pikachu. <laughs> I probably I could have seen that. I would have loved that. Yeah, God, I got no problems. With I would that. have loved that, or Don Rickles. I would have loved Don Rickles as well. <laughs> oh, I know. If only he was still alive. I know, I know. But still, <laughs> those are true Pikachu's yeah. to me. 
I mean, it's really it's not the voice of Pikachu that was the problem. Like Ryan Reynolds did not do a bad job at all. It's just they didn't give him anything good to say. <laughs> True. Well, like I said, I've I've been told that he was good in the movie, uh, or at least the best part of the movie. Whether you want to take that as it being a good movie or not, <laughs> uh, so be it. But yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I mean, I don't want to do too many spoilers with this movie, but um, it definitely there's a big plot hole with it being Ryan Reynolds in a way. I, I don't want to give away the ending, but it's just like, well, how did you not know this? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. All right, interesting, interesting. <laughs> Um, I know that both AVGN and Jeremy Johns have brought up the fact that there's weird Easter eggs in the movie, like you've already said, and it's weird because after you and I talked about it and then I watched the reviews, both of them said the Batman 1980, uh, 1980 <laughs> yep. movie where they basically rip it off with the balloon in the parade with the gas. <laughs> Told you. Um, and then also <laughs> AVGN brings up the fact that the uh, – uh, the Home Alone movie. I can't remember the fucking name of that movie that's in that movie. Mm. Is in this movie. Yes. And he's yes. like, I don't know why they did this because that doesn't make any sense. It was very sense. distracting. <laughs> that really was. Uh, yeah, it was the same thing. With, like, the, they didn't, they cut it before it got to this, him saying, you know, like you, you <laughs> the, like the normal lines. Yeah. But man, that was weird. That's just that's just a strange choice. I, I know with the AVGN one, they're like, it would have been cool, like if the guy who played Snakes was Ekans. <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. That's the other thing is like, it felt like most of the Pokemon that were in this movie were just like there for no real reason. It's not like they used them in clever ways, really. I mean, they showed some Squirtles fighting a fire at one point, but and kind of helping the firemen. But it, really, other than that, it was just kind of like. Well, they're just kind of there. Isn't there a Machamp directing <laughs> like here's a traffic? random slope. Um, yeah. That's very clever. <laughs> I, I don't understand that really at all. He's got four arms. <laughs> you only need a fucking crossing guard could do it with one. <laughs> you don't even need both of their arms. But there's a big difference. The crossing guard is not efficient, where Machamp is very efficient. <laughs> <laughs> I've laid down my two cents and I know that. I'm yeah. Right. I mean, and, and also, I mean, I guess this is more of a thing for us since we liked Pokemon so much is like the voices don't sound anything like they oh, used to. Really? Yeah. Like Psyduck doesn't really sound like Psyduck. It's a much higher voice and it's, you know, it sounds stupid and it's not the, you know, the <laughs> stereotypical sigh. I wonder if this was a movie that we just jumped into, whether or not we liked it or whether or not we would like it. Yeah. I still don't think I would have liked this because like I said, the story is a muddled mess and it's not even fun. No, the Pokemon you, voices. Yeah. No, yeah. Cause even James is like, this movie is just too weird and too convoluted and yeah. he's just jumping into Pokemon and I can see where he's coming from. But I was wondering about like the Pokemon voices, whether or not we would have accepted those if I've never heard what we now know of Psyduck sounding like or Mr. Mime or sure. anybody. So I wonder if we would have liked the anime then, if the anime came out tomorrow. Like, oh, I like the <laughs> anime one. That one's neater than the movie one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just wish they I had I mean, Ash. Bulbasaur, like, I don't think Bulbasaur ever actually even said its name. It just kind of oh, made no, some he weird did. noise. He said Bulba. <laughs> Bulba. He would never say the Bulbasaur. <laughs> 
Venusaur would say Sore. He would never say the Venus. Mm-hmm. In the movie, Bulbasaur just, used to say his whole name. But you just oh, said he, Oh, in this movie, he just made noises. Yeah, oh, I don't I think he. I don't think he was saying his name. If it was, it's so like filtered and weird that you couldn't make out anything that sounded like Bulbasaur or even gotcha. Bulba. I was thinking of <laughs> yeah. I remember him saying Bulba when we were kids in the anime. Like he yeah. Would say Bulba. And I know in the anime movie, the first movie, uh, Venusaur would just scream sore. <laughs> sore. <laughs> yep, those were some good times. Some good movies. All right, cool, 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 cool. All right, well, a uh, cool, couple of things uh, before we leave. Uh, I want to do another album artwork review. Uh, we'll do that. But also I want to introduce uh, our next tournament that we'll be working towards. But... This one, luckily, will have no song clips we have to listen to on the show. Thank God. (laughs) But it will require maybe a little bit of listening to things on your own in between shows. (laughs) Although hopefully not that much. (laughs) You made it easier for you, but harder for me. (laughs) So here's the thing. Uh, We'll be looking at a tournament. To try to determine what is the best 80s classic rock song. <laughs> A list that would make our dads proud. Except they'll probably be disappointed in us in our choices. <laughs> exactly. All this list is going like to disappoint my father. <laughs> if number one's be used not to that lights by out, now. then I'm probably going to get beaten. I mean, that was the 70s, so you're okay for now. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so I figure here's what we'll do is each week uh, we'll look at basically one side of a bracket. So 16 songs, and we'll just kind of narrow it down, not even to the top one of those 16. We'll just get to the bottom two, and then those, or the top two, I should say. And those two will end up going in like the Tournament of Champions at the end. Okay. And so most of these songs you'll probably know. So I'll send you a you know playlist of them so you can check in on them if you want to. But a lot of it's going to be like, you know, Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard and shit. And you're like, I'm pretty sure I know that song. <laughs> Thanks. What's that song? Pour Some Sugar. What was that? Pour Some Pie? <laughs> pour Some Cherry Pie in My Eye. You know that song, Bing? Pour Some Cocaine. <laughs> pour Some Cocaine on Me. <laughs> Reefers. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm down with the clown. When's uh, the turn? Yeah. Is it, are we just going straight into the bracket? Yeah, we'll do one uh, next week. I'll send you some songs, hopefully tomorrow. All right. Uh, cool. Yeah, we'll just kind of go from there. Damn, I'm just realizing that we're less like less than half a month. Oh, no, not half. But we're almost halfway through this month, which means you guys will be here <gasps> in just a few weeks. Oh, I know. I'm excited. We have to take get that futon ready. <laughs> have to get it repaired. <laughs> oh, it's it's paired all right. <laughs> it's very pear shaped. It's been letting itself go. <laughs> all right, album covers. What are we doing so I can look it up? All right, let's do. We talked about them last week. Let's take a look at Oingo Boingo. Oh, good. <laughs> Oingo Boingo art album covers. There are uh, their first album from 1981 is called Only a Lad. Okay, hold on. Let me see if I can try to find. Oh, man. This is going to be impossible. 
<laughs> Only a lad. Let's say the oh, name of it on there. In. Oh, I guess I could do that. Yep. Just only a, okay. There it is. Only a lad. Okay. I'm there looking it at it. Ah, <laughs> uh, this one is an interesting one. Um, it's got kind of a a very Boy Scout esque. I think it's kind of the same image from like the old school Boy Scout handbook, I believe. Um, and he's kind of walking up in the cloud. Yep. And the font is very. Uh... Strange. Make sure you check your controller there, Kev, because I think you may have died. Uh, but okay. yeah, there, there you are. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of underlined uh, in a unique way. Where kind of cool font down there with the only a lad thing. Yeah, I like the Uncle Bungo font they got on there up top. Yeah, um, those are cool. Um, this one's kind of just classic to me. Um, it's it's good looking one. I'm not gonna say it's the greatest thing ever, but it's solid. Feels um, empty to me. It's yeah. strange. I don't know if this is. I mean, I it's cool art, but I don't know if it's a good album cover. Yeah, I could see that. Like, if you're flipping through albums at the store, I don't know that this is one jumps out at you as being like, "Oh, I need to buy that one." Yeah, <laughs> but this is their first one, so I almost have to give them a a break. So, all right, yeah. uh, we'll do name. Say artwork. Uh, oh, name. Uh, yeah. Only a lad is one of the songs on there. So that makes sense. And it's kind of about a kid who, you know, they take, like he keeps doing bad things, but they give him a break because he's only a lad and they don't realize he's just a fucking oh, that, asshole. That's what I'm basically <laughs> doing with this album cover right now. It's their first one <laughs> and they're only <Yeah>. lads. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say, it's not the maybe the catchiest title. I'd say that's like a three or a four. I'd say four. It's unique enough yeah. to merit a four. I'm cool with that. The artwork. artwork, I'd probably give it a four or two, yep. maybe a five. I'd, I'll say four. Okay, four is fair. Uh, the link between the two, I'd say that's pretty strong. They got this Boy Scout, and it's called Only a Lad. I would probably that say makes sense. six. It is a lad. Um, it's just everything else seems kind of strange and almost, it's almost distracting or (laughs) lack of distracting. I don't know what it is. There's something about this (laughs) album cover. That's just weird to me. It's just a kid in the clouds. He's not flying (laughs) through the clouds or doing it. He's just walking in clouds. I guess he's in heaven. Maybe. (laughs) Well, that's just awful, but yeah, it could be. I don't know. He got run over by the fire department. I'll say six because there's a lad there. <laughs> All right. I'll say seven, so we'll average out to 6.5. It's the law. <laughs> All right. Next one is Nothing to Fear from 1982. All right. This, oh. uh, this starts getting into their style a little bit more. Um, you can definitely kind of see how... Danny Elfman ended up getting with Tim Burton because they have similar tastes. Yes. <laughs> this looks very Tim Burton-esque. Yes. <laughs> um, I like, like, the cat looks cool, but overall, this one's just kind of strange. <laughs> like, the border with the just random things, and it's just kind of too much going on, but not quite cohesing, not being cohesive, like, when you're drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep, I know that. (laughs) I feel as if they just stretched out the red frame and the cat and that whole scene right there. 
to the mm-hmm. edges. And maybe even left like the green border, which I'm almost okay with because it looks like there's a Christmas tree, so it would be almost like Christmas-like-ish. Um, yeah. I would be okay with that, but because like what you were saying, that green has also all these like weird icons and like strange like I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a little just too much to have yeah, all these little it, logos there. It is very <laughs> different colors. So, um, I'm not gonna probably. I really like the cat, and it's just it's a cool piece of art. But yeah, I mean, it's just as an album cover, I like it better than the other one. I but I'd still probably just give it a four, maybe a five. Nah, four. The green's too distracting. I'm sticking with a four. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Um, I do like Nothing to Fear as a title. I think that's cool. Yeah. Kind of harkens back to the old quote, and that's, again, one of the songs on there. But I think that one's kind of catchy, and it kind of yeah, – it's a good title that grabs your attention. Yeah. A little more. It's weird for an so, Oingo Boingo, though. Oh, well, I mean, it not. definitely makes sense for them because – a lot of their songs are about kind of horror-ish things, almost. <laughs> well, I guess that makes sense. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that song cool that. itself is about, like, yeah, just weird shit going on and <laughs> trying to be like, there's nothing to fear but fear itself, but except for all these other things. <laughs> I'll say six. Okay. Uh, I'll say I'll say seven, so we'll average out to 6.5 again. Okay. Um, link between the two. I'd say that's not very strong. <laughs> unless he said, unless the the cat is proving that he does not fear that weird lizard that's in the picture. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't portray that way. It looks. It almost looks like the cat is scared of the lizard. It even has those surprise lines <laughs> above its head. So I'm going to get a this... lizard and see what Binks thinks of this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Binks, I'm bringing you home a new friend. Um, I'm going to say that this is actually the opposite. I'm going to give it a two. I don't feel like yeah, there's a solid link that's, there. That's fair. It's not very uh, <laughs> not very connected at all, no, I would have to no, say. No. no. All right, next up is Good For Your Soul, 1983. Just cranking them out one year after the next. Oh, no, this is an album cover. I like this. Yeah, I really do like this one. This is a cool art style. It's a... This guy kind of leaning back, shooting fire out of his mouth. The uh, the walls and shit are very Tim Burton-esque. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, this reminds me of Beetlejuice yep. in a way. Um, just the way this the perspective it's got going on is crazy and cool looking. Um, as someone who likes to paint album covers, this might be one I might have to take a look at someday. Oh, have you done any more? <laughs> um, I've been working on one, and then I kind of, with all the fucking tv and shit last weekend i kind of stopped a little bit and uh but i need to get back into it because kind of about halfway done with it i'd say nice yeah i'm working on it can't wait to see what this one is but yeah no this album (laughs) uh i i would say that this is an eight i like this i wish it was almost bolder um Mm -hmm. it seems like it's kind of pastel yeah you know i'm fine with pastel i just feel like the the contrast is kind of like, or it's not, it, there's not a lot of saturation. It looks like it pulled the saturation away. So it looks yeah. like kind of faint. I wish the colors just popped a little bit more, but it almost looks like it was done in color pencil. So maybe that's why. But um, I do like the artwork a lot, and I like the perspective Definitely of has what that I'm look. looking at. So I would say an eight. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with eight. That makes sense. Good for your soul. So how do we like that as a title? I think it's a cool title, actually. 
Um, it's not bad. It's not my favorite. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, it kind of makes me think of like chicken soup for the soul. Yeah, that's why I like. <laughs> it's not something you wanna <laughs> wanna be associated with. <laughs> I do. I love soup. <laughs> um, I hate women though. I love soup too, but <laughs> I don't like reading. So oh, very true. Um, I think it's a cool title. Uh, I'm gonna give it a five. I think it's that's a, fair. That's uh, about what I was thinking. Middle right of, in the middle. I wouldn't say it's the best, but yeah, I'd say it's the middle of the road title. All right, uh, the two together don't make any damn sense. Uh, I'm gonna give <laughs> no. this a one. This is completely just He's pulled breathing away from fire, me. which doesn't seem like it's going down good for his soul. No, <laughs> seems like it's the opposite. I don't know what's <laughs> happening, uh, but yeah, this one's completely disjointed from the, the title. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say a one. Yeah, it's unfortunately they were. They were doing pretty good on that one until we yep. got to that one. Yep. Um, now, this next one, this is technically a Danny Elfman uh, solo CD, mm. but not really. Okay. Um, so it's Danny Elfman, so dash low. So S-O da- hyphen oh. L-O. L-O. Yeah, this was, uh, it's it goes under the name of Danny Elfman instead of Oingo Boingo because they were having some kind of uh, issue with their record label at the time <laughs> but really it's him with oingo boingo so it it's even unlisted on their discography under an oingo boingo album but okay. it's technically a danny elfman album um this one i really do like <laughs> i like this a lot it's very ixnay on the ombre with a lot of yolo i like this mm-hmm. i like it yep. a lot this is a very cool artwork very it's very again a, a different style but it's cool looking it's got kind of danny elfman in the background <laughs> Oh, yeah, weirdly painted version of him that's all different colors. But he's got the crazy red hair. Yep. He's uh, just got these little puppets dancing. I don't know if they're puppets. I'm pretty sure they're just crazy animals and crazy monsters. <laughs> One's a skeleton playing guitar, it looks like. I don't know. It's really cool. I really like the style. Uh, mm-hmm. The artwork itself, I'm going to give it a nine. It's really, really cool looking. Yep. I like that. So low. Don't like the title. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Huh. I don't like I kind of like it in that it's, you know, it is a solo album and they're changing it a little bit by adding that hyphen. <laughs> and it kind of has that low fi type of spelling. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I wouldn't if say this was a solo great. album. Then I would have to say it's OK. But you even said it yourself that it's even under the Oingo Boingo. So it just seems confusing and I don't understand it. <laughs> I'm going to give it a... It is technically technically a solo album. Um, so I'll give it at least a five just for spelling out what it is. I'm going to give it a two. <laughs> All right. We'll average that. Yeah, get those numbers together, Mr. Accountant. Uh, the two <laughs> together, um, mixing your, your, your thought process in with this. Um, if this is a solo album, having Danny... Elfman on the cover and with the title, I feel it. There is a connection then. Yeah, that's um, pretty. I can't pretty strong. deny that. And it looks like he's having fun. I'm gonna give this one a <laughs> solid. I'm gonna give it an eight. I think sounds good it's to a me. Play on words, but I'm cool with an eight on that. All right. Now this next one, not gonna even Just like lie about give this one. Title. This one is called Dead Man's Party. Oh, God. I'm giving this one a perfect 10, all three categories. Well, let me see how I feel. 
Let me see how I feel. Let me get a bigger <laughs> image here. Look for there we go. All righty. Oh, <laughs> this one's got a lot going on. It's uh, kind of like a Day of the Dead type festival of just a bunch of skeletons having a big old party. <laughs> Looks all claymationy. Um, yep. It's I do some like kind of puppets that. or claymation or. It's very cool, very 80s looking. It's very colorful. Um, there's so much detail. You can, like, this is one of those ones you could look at and just see different things every time because you just kind of look at different areas and what the different skeletons are doing and shit. And I just, I really, really enjoy this one. Um, I think the name really fits. It's a great name. Like Dead Man's Party just kind of conjures up cool imagery in your head. Um, I think this definitely qualify as a dead man's party with a bunch of skeletons having a party i think the album <laughs> cover is cool again i think it, i feel like it's more of a cool piece of art though opposed to uh a cd album cover i don't think it's bad but i think it is maybe too distracting um there's just so much going on and you got to remember like i'm looking at it on my computer so it's obviously blown up but like looking at it mm-hmm. on a cd cover you're talking about five by five usually so i mean it's not very big and with everything with so much stuff on there and then it's also shrunk down it it's well to be fair this was when they were doing it on vinyl <laughs> so you're getting a bigger size <laughs> this guy this guy here <laughs> um I, i'm still gonna say it's too distracting i will give it a nine though i do like all of the everything that's going on i like the idea of the clay slash puppet slash party skeletons they look really cool um just to mm-hmm. me i think it's too distracting for it to be a perfect 10 um i do love like we the mentioned name. before i think the ones i like are either very simple or very sure. complicated and this falls into that very complicated but good very <laughs> for me complicated um but yeah. i love the name of the cd dead man's party is just a great name i will give that a 10 mm-hmm. and i also agree uh the the just the correlation with the name and the the album art, just obviously. I mean, it's exactly yeah. what's going on. So <laughs> you really can't argue with that one. I no. don't know what else you could picture That's in your head. Ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's perfect. All right, Dead Man's Party. Nice pick. Nice. Pick. Okay. Well, this next one, um, definitely not as <laughs> good of a name, but it's B O I hyphen N G O. Kind of Boingo split down the middle. <laughs> oh boy, I've got things to say about this one, Kevin. I've got things to say. <laughs> Yeah, this one is uh, not very creative, not nearly as creative as that last one, for sure. Uh, This is just kind of a shot of the band, um, weirdly positioned, not the normal kind of band shot. There's so many people in the band that they kind of just line them up and Danny Elfman's kind of just peeping out the bottom with his his shifty eyes. Yep. Yep. Um, I do like that they tried to give it some color by giving it those things on the sides and the the red letters. So I approve of that. But overall, I wouldn't say it's the strongest. I'm going to give this a one. <laughs> I wouldn't go that low. I will go that low. This I mean, that guy's is... glasses gives it at least a two. <laughs> Look at those glasses. He's forced to wear them. That's not his fault. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely giving it a one. This is just terrible. This looks like a, just a weird picture. It doesn't even look like art. It's not art. It's just a weird picture, and it looks like there's Donny Osmond right there in the center. <laughs> Donny Osmond. 
<laughs> I don't know about that. Sonny but, Osmond. All right. One. <laughs> one, 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 one. I don't like the color stripes on the sides. That's just weird to me. Like, it's just such a I strange. I like that. Well, you like color. And I'm not saying I, I dislike color because I really like color unless I'm making game game boxes. But uh, this, it <laughs> this seems one's just got weird. black it's, background. You should like that part. <laughs> it's just too, like, not distracting, but, like, too, like, out of place almost. It's like, why the fuck? Who, who, who painted my shit? <laughs> who touched my album? I had to cover the zit on that guy's ear. Um. All right. So yeah, it's true. Uh. So yeah, the bongo the name. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't give that a strong name, especially since later on they have another album that's just called Boingo. <laughs> so it's like, well, that's confusing. <laughs> I'm gonna give this a one. You're almost in self-title or self-titled territory at this point. Yeah, and we've given all of them basically ones that uh, that we've seen. So. I don't care if you throw a hyphen in the fair. center. It's just a one. Yeah, I think it's going to get one for the connection between the two, too, because, mm, I mean, I guess technically they are Boingo. That's true. <laughs> really, it's not really much of anything. I'm, I'm going to give of it a two because self-titled it is and here's a band shot. Boingo, Boingo. I mean, there is a connection between <laughs> the two, so you can't yeah. really give it a one on that. I, I'm probably going to give fair. it a five, which okay. is hard for me to say, but there is a complete connection. It is the band, and they have called it Boingo. Unlike all the other self-titles that we've seen, this one, <laughs> it actually does make sense. So Maybe they should have stood half on one side and half on the other. <laughs> that would have been fine. With a hyphen in between them, or a semicolon. <laughs> I'm giving them a five because they should have tried harder. <laughs> all right, next one. All right. Well, um, I guess we can't count Boingo Alive, huh? It's no. one of my favorites. It's like a live studio album. No, we haven't done any live <laughs> ones. Damn. All Mark right. Travis, the next one Mark Travis is uh, 1990. We got Dark at the End of the Tunnel, which I got to say, I like that name. <laughs> yep. I do like that name as well. I don't know what I'm looking at. Oh, my God. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let me find a better. Yeah. Some of them are pretty low resolution. Not that it's ever. This is very kind of like watercolory type thing. Yeah. All right. I've got it. Uh, all right. So the artwork is depicting of a weird child, uh, probably Toby from the Labyrinth, uh, <laughs> popping out of what might be some kind of weird black mass. It's not so much a tunnel. It just looks like a black corridor. Yeah, it's more like a hallway, if anything, or just a An doorway. opening <laughs> to a dimension, really. It's kind of strange. Yeah. Um, there's a stairwell coming down, and then we see some kind of landscape behind there, whether it be some mountains or hills or whatnot, and maybe a... Maybe, I don't yeah, know it looks like he's lava. in hell or limbo or something yeah. that's not very pleasant. Some kind of, like, lava. <laughs> the child should probably not be in. Um, okay, so the artwork, uh, I think it's neat. I think it's cool. I, I don't think mm-hmm. it's completely distracting. Uh, this reminds me of, like, old 80s kind of style of album artwork I'll, I'll give this a mm, six okay i'll give him a seven we'll average out 6.5 all right um the name title i really like that title dark at the end of the tunnel is a great name i'm gonna give this Good one a twist an on the old phrase yep that's fair i like that uh connection between the two i would say there's some it would help if it was more tunnel-esque <laughs> He's kind of out in the light. I like, um, and he's yeah, not in a tunnel. That's very true. But I do like that it might be some kind of a tunnel. I would probably mm-hmm. say this is a seven. 
Uh, yeah, yeah seven. That's probably about fair. It that could is. be better, but it's definitely not that bad. <laughs> Very true. So I'd say seven. That's pretty fair. Cool man show. All right. Well, then the last one before they called it quits in 1994 was the other one that's just called Boingo. No hyphen this time. Well, Boingo. <laughs> this one's weird looking. Is it the one with the clown thing? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, This one's got like a little kind of midget clown who's holding like a little baby doll. and A midgetary very... clown? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give this... Uh, and it's got a circus kind of like banner above this weird clown thing. Uh, the clown thing is sitting on a chair, but uh, and it says Boingo on like it. Like a circus freak show type deal. This is probably kind of what it looks like. More or less definitely a self-titled album because their name is nowhere on this album cover. Yeah. Here. Um, so I'm going to give this an eight. <laughs> Art. Yeah. Art-wise, I'd say that's fair. I like the cover. That's not a whole lot going on. When I look at it, I can say, oh, yeah, that's Oingo Boingo. Um, I don't have to be, like, swimming through all the details to figure out, oh, what is this? What, what, what am I in for? Uh, it's simple <laughs> yet intriguing. I yeah, that, the perspective of it looks kind of cool. Yeah. Just the way this thing just looks creepy. <laughs> I like it. Um, I'm going like to go with... Wee Man went bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, a one. Yeah. Self-titled. Yep. Yep. All these guys, it's not, it's not my fault. You, you guys chose <laughs> you this. this. You chose two of them. That's not good. I know. Just to make it more confusing. Like which, which album are you talking about? You know, Boingo. Boingo. Uh, you got to narrow it down. <laughs> it kind of narrows it down. Um, yeah. So, and then the, the, there is no, no, no. You'd have to stretch all the taffy in Willy Wonka's factory to try to make that happen. Yeah, and that ain't happening, so I'm giving it a, <laughs> just a straight one, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it's those like self-titled gonna... albums that are going to take doo-doos all over themselves. Yeah. Everybody's kind of falling in that same range of, like, maybe five to six, it seems like. Everybody averages out to kind of the middle of the pack. <laughs> this looks like their average score is about 5.43. Which sucks because they probably have some of the higher scores on the other ones, but because they had two mm-hmm. self-titled albums, <laughs> that will bring you down. Yep, that and not even really just torpedoes you. And they don't even have low scores. It's not like twos. I mean, I think there's maybe one two in there on that first one, but besides that, it's all it was up above. We're talking about six, seven, eights, a couple tens in there. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. But those oneers, those oneers take you. Down, down, down. They really do. It all takes is one misstep and like, bam. You're like better off just having one album and having it be amazing. (laughs) Very true. Then Um, we'll get 100%. uh, I'm going to do one singer uh, trade-in because I was thinking about it all week long, which is weird because I completely forgot that he even covered one of their songs, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, But I'm going to go My Career from MXPX with, uh, I can never remember his name. It's Nicola from... um, Millen Collins. <gasps> Sarsavik. Oh, yeah. man. I think those two would be a good because uh, Mike Herrera has that lower kind of voice, and so does Nicholas. So, like, trading them off, I feel like in my mind would sound pretty good. And oddly enough, mm-hmm. I completely forgot that Mike Herrera covered uh, No Cigar. And, I, and when I listened to it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is really good. <laughs> this is a good trade off. Oh. 
I've done it. I need to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's an acoustic version, <laughs> but I like it. Man. Yeah. I yeah, was kind yeah, of thinking yeah. of that, of uh, Nicola, as like a – I think he was one of the few people on my list as to who could fill in in the Cranberries for Dolores O'Riordan. You're just like, all I about I kind of see him pulling that off. All right. That's not horrible. <laughs> and I won't get into too many of my lists, but there's one. I'll, I'll do one of my trades here. Um, this involves your girl, Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Tell me more. So I wanted to replace her in her own band with Hashmere from Group X. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Especially like hearing him sing, uh, I didn't just come here to dance. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm cool I think that. that would be amazing. <laughs> mm. Pretty much any female pop song or pop singer, I think he could replace, and it would be amazing. I'm just but going to especially the store. To the store. I'm just <laughs> going to the store. To the store. I like it. Yep, that'd be great. All right, cool. <laughs> I love me some CRJ. All right. All right. Well, I think that's it. I think well, next we... week we'll be doing another movie. Oh, yeah. And, what movie are we get doing? To pick the, uh, the CD artwork we'll look at next week. I will. Um, so start thinking. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I've been suck. going back and forth on this one. And you want to do The Lost Skeleton of Cadabra. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> it's an excellent so movie. I originally was going to be like, all right, we'll do Edge of 17 finally. <laughs> then I found out that. God Bless America is streaming for free on 2B TV, which is a free app. I'm like, oh, we could maybe do that now. But I think based off of what we just watched <laughs> in Walk Hard, I decided there's no better time than now to watch this other movie. Oh, no. Another movie that kind of parodies um, music documentaries and that kind of thing. Um, and also has Tim Meadows in it. Oh. Pop star. Never stop, never stopping. What the fuck is that? <laughs> the, uh, the Lonely Island movie where oh. Andy Samberg kind of like makes fun of Justin Bieber. <laughs> oh. Is it good? <laughs> yeah, it's really good. The songs are amazing and the movie is pretty damn solid. I actually saw it twice a, in the theaters. You have to send me a text because I've already <laughs> forgotten the name of that. Movie, so <laughs> it's a little bit long, but yeah, if you just remember pop star, that's all you okay, need. Okay, pop star. <laughs> I was trying to remember the other part, the stopping part. <laughs> never stop, never stopping. <laughs> I almost got it. That's how you know you're in for a good time. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's pretty solid. So I figure this is the time to uh, to watch that. <laughs> this is our moment. You won't. Since there are definitely parallels between the two. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm kind of glad we're not watching those other movies for sure, so that's good. Um, <laughs> God Bless America you would definitely like, and honestly, Edge of Seventeen I think you would like. I don't think I would like it. <laughs> I'm just gonna it won't be, be the you. worst thing you've ever seen. I'll to say that. Oh, man. <laughs> I swear to God, if I watch that movie and, I'm, and I, I think to myself, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, boy, let me tell you. Mid-90s <laughs> is on there on uh, Amazon right now, and I'm, like, struggling to even try to watch that, and I don't know why. <laughs> Damn. I know. I love 90s. I know you do. I know. And I feel like I should watch it because I know it would probably be up my alley, but I don't know. We'll see. <sighs> it's pretty fun. Rewatch The Lost <laughs> Skeleton of Cadabra. 
<laughs> That's fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm just so happy it's on Amazon. All right, cool. Well, this has been another fantastic, superfluous, uh, <laughs> amazing, and cohesive. Chantankerous. Oh. Um, <laughs> Anti disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> uh, episode of. Diuretic. And diabetic. <laughs> episode of the original janksters i'm peter jank that's kevin jank and as always remember flip that tip and have yourself a good mother's day bye happy mother's day kev